everyone, I'm Allie Stone, and this is Discovering Hospitality. Now, I've been in the hospitality industry for over 20 years. Serving in all capacities, I started out as a server to present day where I'm part owner of a multi-unit franchise in Northern Alberta called Original Joe's. My journey continues to the Inspired Leader, which I founded in 2020. Through this, I help leaders from all industries create meaningful careers. And I do this through the education I received from my many years as a senior level leader in hospitality. I truly believe if we could bring more hospitality to more industry around the world, it would be a better place. Of course, hospitality has given me a life rich with adventure, connection, let's not forget humor, and of course the challenges which I believe can be unique to the hospitality industry. So this podcast, it was created to highlight the incredible moments that exist in our industry. Behind the day-to-day -day of hospitality lies millions of stories, serving as evidence that this is one of the most complex, challenging, and ultimately fulfilling industries on the planet. And when you peek beneath the surface, it's revealed that this industry, despite those challenges, offers a unique glimpse into creativity, beauty, and ultimately the strength it takes to bring it all to life each and every day. So it's my purpose with this podcast to share the celebration of humanity that exists in hospitality. I want to share how this industry is one of the most incredible industries in the world and how hospitality creates a place for the world to become more connected and ultimately to become more beautiful. Thank you for joining me on this week's podcast and I truly hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome everybody back to another week of Discovering Hospitality. I'm your host, Allie Stone, and excited to be here. This is the week after Thanksgiving. Everybody's belly is full of turkey <laughs> and stuffing and all of that delicious stuff. And I always love this time of year because I feel like it's a really great time to reflect and be grateful and spend time with family. And I was just talking with my guest about that. So I wanted to welcome Brad Barco to the podcast today. Welcome, Brad. Thanks for being here with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, happy late Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Hopefully it was, you know, a, a time to really get together. And like you said, reflect and, and put the pedal to the metal for the rest of the year. And hopefully have some big things uh, in 2023. Totally. So I was, I was really looking forward to having this conversation with you today. So I've met you through the hospitality industry, but not in the way the listeners are going to think. Now, Brad owns a company called Disability Accessible by Design, and he's going to tell us about that today. Um, he's done some work with us at Original Joe's and spent some time with us. And the biggest thing that happened, Brad, when I met you was that you really just opened my eyes to a new way of looking at things. Um, I think I have a pretty wide perspective because of my own personal experiences, but uh, spending the time I've spent with you, you've really just... Uh, yeah, just created a new way of looking at things for me. I recently, I was in San Francisco last week for four nights and I found everywhere I was looking, I was thinking like, what would Brad say? Because <laughs> it's all like hills and stairs and a crazy city, right? I was like, yeah. I don't know how people with disabilities get around here. This could be really, really challenging. 
And so, you know, this is your mission and this is your purpose and it's purpose in life. And I would say that you are an advocate for all persons with disabilities. And I think that's so commendable. And um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm super excited to talk to you. I have lots of questions. (laughs) I know you can share lots with me. Um, I always think a good place to start is maybe just share your story. Like, like what brought you to where you are today? How did all this happen? Yeah, so maybe for you listeners that, that can't see, I mean, and, and quite frankly, you can't see, but you know, um, I got four wheels strapped to my ass, and that's that's the only difference uh, between you and I and, and everybody else is I, I've been disabled all my life. This is, this is you know, my, my life, and uh, for 29 years now, so I'm 29 years old, I'm from Edmonton, I grew up in Spruce Grove, I moved back to Edmonton for college, and kind of never, never looked back, but um, to, to take you all the way back to the beginning, uh, my mom was 16 when she had me. Really had no idea she was pregnant. I thought she was going in for an appendix surgery. And uh, they, they had the conversation of, no, you're actually pregnant and we need to get this baby out now. Uh, that's how small I was. So uh, they hit the eject button on me. I won't bore you with all the details. Uh, and and I, was, I was small enough to fit in the palm of your hand. That's, uh, that, that's how big or small I was. And... Uh, they're just just over just over three pounds, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah, about three pounds. Um, so so not very big. Um, you know, right away they rushed me into an incubator, took me away from my family, and the doctors are doctors told my parents I would make it 24 hours. I you know prepare for the worst, make your arrangements now, prepare. You know he's not going to make it. And well, I'm talking to you today. Um, 29 years dead. You know that's the. That's a running joke always, and uh, you know I'm I'm just just blessed to be here, and um, I, I was fortunate enough to have a fortunate, I guess, in a in a roundabout way that I did make it. Um, but I, I I do live life full time in a wheelchair, and that's how I get around, and that's how I move, and so this is all I know. But I was also very blessed in the sense of my parents never hid me from anybody. You know, when I'm in an elevator. You know that word of don't talk to strangers. Well, I talk to everybody. I wasn't shy and I and I didn't want the rest of the world to be shy around me either. Like, you know, I'm just a human being. And, you know, my wheelchair and my disability does not define who I am. My official diagnosis, I, I got diagnosed about two years old. My official diagnosis was CP or cerebral palsy, a severe spasticity and mild CP. So what that means is just my bones grow faster than my muscles when the weather changes gets a little bit tighter left side is good right side it's you know needs a little bit work it won't get worse it won't get much better it's just something that that we live with uh there's there's varying degrees of it some are are really severe so on the really severe side you're tube fed uh 24 7 care kind of kind of all that stuff in between and on the on the very mild case you can actually walk uh people you'll notice people drag their feet or they'll they'll drag the one leg behind them. So I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, but on the lower end of the scale of the less severe side because I'm cognitive. I can speak. I can you know everything works other than and my legs even work just don't work very well. And so uh, that's one thing too is I always get asked, well, can you feel anything? Yes, I can feel absolutely everything. Uh, this is not a sense where it affected you know from the waist down, neck down, anything else. I I have full you know motor skills and can move everything really on my own and, and everything. I'm pretty independent in that sense. And But one thing that stuck out stuck out to me, um, my mom went to ask for help. Obviously, being 16, she didn't know where to turn. We didn't know where to go. She was a kid in her own life. My, my dad left when uh, and he said, peace. 
I'm out. This is too much work for me. I got a better life to live. So my mom phoned the government and said, well, what do I do? And the government said, well, your son's not disabled enough. We can't help you. So I wasn't, so how they classified it back then, it's changed a little bit now, but how they classified it back then is, well, he doesn't need 24-7 care. So he doesn't need to be in a home. He doesn't need to be in a facility with AIDS all around him, but he's not fully independent. So we can't help you. So I fell between the cracks. And so do millions of other people with disabilities. They fall between that funding crack. So my, I remember early on, my parents had to fundraise for everything, wheelchairs, walkers, you know, stair lifts for, for me to get up and down the stairs, you know, surgeries, all that other stuff. And you know, I had to, I've had 20 plus surgeries too in 29 years. So I mean it's I've had basically you you name a, a body part, I've either had it broken or or, or readjusted or, or whatever it may be. So um, I, I'm just, I'm blessed to be here and I, I can't, uh, I'm excited to be able to, to share some stories uh, with your group. Well, thank you. And I know um, for you, like you are a young vivacious guy, right? Like you still live your life in a fun way. You're married, you have a beautiful wife, you have a great life, right? Like, so you've done so well for yourself to have all these things. And so, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why your company has come around is because you want to live as normal of a life as you can, right? Like why, why can't that happen for you? And you've realized, recognized that that is an issue, especially in the hospitality industry. And it's very interesting because I've been in the industry for 17 years, like as an owner, you know, and like, since I was 18 working and I can remember like some of the places that I worked that, you know, they weren't even accessible for people without disabilities right, to work. And so I often think, and again, you've just completely opened my eyes. So I find myself reflecting on this all the time because I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur now, but um, yeah. I often think it's so interesting how uh, we talk about how there's so much evolution in the world. Uh, yet when we focus on something that is falling behind and we start to see like we're not taking those steps forward, it's crazy right. how glaring it can become. And, and, and so it, how yeah. did this become um, like a passion of yours? How did you become passionate about working with hospitality professionals and helping them make their businesses more accessible? Well, I, I think with everything, there, there was experience, and I'll, I'll take you through that. But I, I also have to you know, thank my parents a lot for that. They, again, they didn't hold me back. They didn't, they, I, I wasn't put in a corner. I wasn't put in a closet. I, but, but I, I was just, I was normal. My peers treated me normal. I went to a normal school, you know, all that stuff. Nobody ever saw the chair. They saw me first. And I was super grateful for that. I'm first and foremost, a human being. And when I go out to a restaurant, whether it was a young kid, so you're obviously, you're not drinking back then, but you're, you know, ordering or you're with family or whatever, you're, you know, you, you start to, I didn't notice it as much growing up. I, my parents noticed a lot of it, you know, stairs to an entrance, a bathroom that's not accessible, you know, uh, uh, walkways that are, they're, they're narrower going in between tables. Uh, don't talk to my family first, talk to me and ask me what I want to order. Let me speak for myself. Um, and Ali, I, I mentioned this when we trained your group, but one, a, a story that really, really, really hit home for me and really started to get the wheels turning. I was an adult, I was um, 18, yeah, 18. I was out at a bar 
Um, I, I was there and we had a pub crawl and, and celebrating a friend, having a good time, drinking, dancing, you know, and very early on the night, I think it was like 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I had to use a bathroom. And, and the question I always ask people is when's the last time as a grown adult you had to ask somebody to use a bathroom? Typically never. It typically never happens as a, as a kid, you know, yeah, things are, things are different. But as soon as you start to grow up, it, you're independent. You can just go to the bathroom. Well, with me, I always need to, either needed to ask to make sure the bathroom was accessible or I needed, and, and I'm, again, very thankful that my, my close group of friends if it wasn't accessible, were very comfortable, you know, picking me up and just holding me up and going to the bathroom or, or whatever. Very blessed uh, that way. Um, so I asked this waitress and bless her, bless her heart. She was she was brand new in the industry, but I asked her if there was an accessible bathroom, and she looked at me, stone cold face, kind of she's kind of perplexed, like, excuse me, like accessible bathroom. What do you mean? And. Uh, she goes, the only bathroom we have is down nine stairs. And I said, well, being the jokester I am and kind of, you know, making it lighthearted and already some liquid courage inside. And I looked at there and I said, well, I don't know if you've seen me today. And I've been ripping up the dance floor, so it's hard for you to not see me. But I don't know if you haven't seen me, but I got four wheels strapped on my ass today. And unless you're picking me up at the bottom, that ain't going to work. Like, we, we got to find a better solution. So in, in her kind of disbelief, she goes, oh, my God, let me grab the manager. I'm so sorry. I said, no, not your problem. You're good. Right? Not thinking it would lead to anything crazy. My mm -hmm. manager comes and shakes his hand. He introduces himself, grabs a key from behind the bar. So, no, we're getting somewhere. There is maybe a place, right? And as I'm telling this story, as I'm going through, you got to understand how it makes me feel. I, I didn't feel human in this element anymore. I felt like an animal. I felt like a circus animal. I, I felt like a, a burden. I felt like just a, oh, really? Like we got to go out of our way to help? What are we doing, right? So um, I, I'm going through, I'm following this guy, and he leads me through an active kitchen. So I'm stepping over servers, and my chair is not very big. Like it's a pretty compact chair, 20, uh, you know, 24 inches wide. That's a standard chair. Um, so I'm, we got servers holding up trays and I'm standing there because they didn't know I was coming through. So they go, oh, what, what's happening? Whoa, what are we doing? We got, we got equipment everywhere. What are we doing? So they're literally moving equipment out of the way as food's being cooked and prepped. Not a good situation for anybody. Uh, we get through the kitchen. Then he leads me down this dark hallway. It's so dark alley that he needs a flashlight to get me down this hallway. And being again, being the guy I asked, where are we going? Like, if you wanted me to just take the back alley, I mean, I could have just exited the front door and met you in the back, right? And we get to the end of this hallway, and there's a door. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool, right? Maybe it is kind of closed off. Nobody uses it. He opens this door out, and he turns on the light. And what I saw, I was in absolute disbelief. My jaw hit the floor. Um, there, was, there was equipment everywhere. Wet floor signs, mops, tables, chairs, kegs, empty kegs, full kegs. You name it, everything was in there. It was stuffed front to back, floor to ceiling. There was a sink at the front, and in the very back, there was a toilet. No grab bar, no nothing. So one, that's not up to code in any of the code. Whether you're looking at 2010 code, you're looking at 2020 code, whenever it got changed, 
that's still not the code. That's not, not good. That's a violation. But beside the point. So I asked him two simple things. I said, how do you want me to get in here? Because it's going to take you 15, 20 minutes to clear all this out. I said, this ain't a small job. Like, you need security to come and move all this stuff. Like, this is not, not an ordeal. And I got I to gotta use the bathroom. Like, you know, it's not an emergency, but I, I got to go. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and I, I also looked at him and I said, wait a minute. I said, how do you want me to get on and off the toilet safely when you do that? Because there's no grab bar, no nothing. I said, now it's a liability. And if I fall or hurt myself or even worse, I said, now that's potentially a lawsuit. Like I was very scared of him, but I'm, you know, I was very upfront with him. And he goes, he looks at me, I'll never forget this. It's burned in my brain forever. He looked at me dead in my eye and he pointed to me. He goes, it's not my problem that we don't get many of you people in my establishment mm. and walked away, legitly walked away. So being the guy I am said, deuces, I'm out of here. Uh, yeah. I told my friends where I was going. I had a buddy that owned uh, Blues on White or he's running Blues on White down the street. And I knew he was someone, he wasn't fully accessible, but better than what I just experienced. I walked in kind of, and again, as a grown man, Tears were going down my face. Belittled. Mm-hmm. I was I was shocked. What turned into a great night to start ended on such a sour note. And let me tell you this. Currently, as recording, as of right now, there's 2 billion disabled people in the world. So I talk about disabilities. I mean physical, so a guy like me, mental, so some mental health, you can put anything you want in there, and invisible. Because you might not even see disabilities. You know, somebody could be walking normal, but they could be dealing with chronic back pain. That's still a disability in some in some retrospect, right? So, and there's again, there's two billion of us in the world today. That is the largest minority outside of race on the planet. Um, so when I when I walked in that other bar, I went to the bathroom. I, I got up to the bar on blues on white. I slammed the drink uh, real quick because I, I just couldn't believe it. And, and you know, my buddy looked at me and he said, no wonder why people just really don't go out because that's what they experience when they do go out. And, and they're so shy. What, a lot of the disability community is quiet and reserved because of stipulations that government, you know, put a, puts us in a box. And that's another story. But a lot of them just will order, skip the dishes and they'll spend, I got a friend currently, this is an actual story. She she's on skip the dishes every month. She'll spend four to five hundred dollars a month on skip the dishes because she's afraid that if she goes to that bar, it's not accessible, and she doesn't want to be put on the spot. She doesn't want to be. I, I'm I'm oh my god, like you're disabled. This is the inconvenience. Like that's not right. It's 2022, and even back then, right? That's only 12 12 years ago, right? And um, so I took that. I looked at that and I said, something's got to change. And my first thought was running for office, running for prime minister, running for mayor. Let the let the big dogs, because those are the big dogs that make decisions. And then and then you can make federal decisions when you go to you know you know you go to now national building code and that stuff too. And uh, yeah, kind of kind of started from there. And then fast forward, 
COVID hit, I was I was running another business. I was in uh, financial services. I loved it. I was doing that for eight years. My wife and I both ran a brokerage, and we were really helping people save money and save tax, and kind of in a different realm. Because um, I was I I'm never a sales guy. I wanted to. I I genuinely genuinely am here on this planet to make a difference and make a change. Um. So so we were doing that. That was great. And then COVID hit. I moved online, and the fire wasn't there anymore. I, I just wanted to do something bigger. I wanted to do something better. So I sold my book of business, let that go. Um, you know, obviously thank my clients for everything that they've done. And a lot of them are still really good friends. Um, and, and my one of my best friends has been with me almost 20 years. And my wife folks sat down. We were having dinner one night and a couple of drinks. And he goes, why don't you start a disability business? I said, what, what do you mean? Like, what, what are you talking about this? He goes, you've been disabled all your life. You've got stories for days, good and bad. You're a voice. People listen. You're not afraid to create your own box. You're not afraid to step out of the norm. I said, he said, you can go make a difference. I said, well, what does that look like? He goes, go be a disability consultant and take that hospitality story and turn it into a positive. And he goes, approach hospitality and show them ways they can get better. Work with them. Let's let's spread education and awareness and work with them. Because at the end of the day, a lot of owners, and you can probably speak for yourself too, a lot of owners think about bottom dollar. They think about line. They think about only really about the financial, most of them, financial gain. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And that's fine. That's, you know, that's part of running a business. So for me, I go, if you become accessible and more aware and more educated, this is what's going to, this is, these are your benefits. You know, I, I sat down and, and we're training local on, on Jasper out here actually this week. And I sat down with them initially when we first started to introduce myself, this is what we're doing, this is who we are. And I said, and he goes, well, I, I don't really get it. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. So I got him to sit there on Jasper. We sat there and had a drink together. Great conversation. Great guy. He was open to everything. For 45 minutes, I said, count just the uh, disabilities you can see. Count them. And we'll spend 45 minutes to an hour here. He counted 100 people that walked by. And not one of them came into his bar and he couldn't understand why. I said, one, you don't have accessible buttons on your door. Two, there's a bench blocking your front door. So if someone like me came into your bar, I couldn't open the door by myself. I need to have someone with me. So I, I helped him understand why it was important for everybody to be more inclusive, to be more understanding, to create even a better environment on the inside. So training, training those staff. So that's part of my business. I'm a, a consultant, but my specialty is staff training. I come in with a lived experience. I train their staff on how to, to interact with people. Simple things of wording, you know, simple things of eye contact, not getting down on your level, you know, looking at someone and making them feel like a human being, making them feel wanted, making them feel accepted. Because guess what? If you do those three things, they're coming back. And they're not just coming back. They're bringing their friends. You're getting a good view online. And, and what's that do for you? Money, 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 money. You want to support, let's support each other. Right? So so in a roundabout way, that's, uh, that's kind of how I got started. 
it's there's just so much to it right I mean like I, I want to ask you 30 different questions so what direction am I going to take you Brad <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that there's I think that this is such an interesting point that you bring up this um feeling uh not human this outcasted feeling mm -hmm. and a lot of people will experience this in their lives I think we will all experience it at some point in our lives some people more than others right but yeah. the thing about that feeling is that it creates like shame you know and like it makes you feel like you did something wrong and many times most times I would say that the person has done nothing wrong mm -hmm. um when that happens and I just think that that's such a a sad thing that happens in the world. And I wish, I just want to highlight it. Cause I, I think it's important that people hear what you just said there about that, because I mean, your experience is yours, right. And we're all going to have our own experiences. Those experiences shape up how we see the world. Right. And so the experiences that you have had have shaped how you now see the world. And the, the one word I think to, to add on to that, Ali is, is you almost feel punished for, mm -hmm. for, for, for having a disability or for being created. Look, I didn't ask to be created this way. God, if, whether you want to believe in something or not, I'm not overly religious, but God put me in this position. God put me here for a reason. I'm running a business, a disability business for a reason. I'm doing what I'm doing for a reason. I'm here, right? And, and uh, maybe I'm here to pave the way for other disabled people that don't have a voice that can lean on me. Uh, that's that's really the big thing. And you touched on it is we all have three things in common. Taxes, we all got to pay them, unfortunately. We're all going to die, unfortunately. That's just the way the world works. We live and we die. Um, but we're all going to live with a disability of some kind, whether it's physical, mental, invisible, old age, a skiing accident, uh, an accident work, whatever it may be. And I don't want to bring this on people or scare people. But this is a harsh reality. You know, there, there's a stat right now by 2030 in Canada, 49% of the population, yes, 49% of the population in Canada just here will experience a disability of some kind. That is 50%. And that's only what, eight, seven, eight years away. That's not all the time. So we need to be proactive in our thinking, not where most of the world is reactive. Most of the world is, oh, shit, this happened. What do we do? How can we clean this up? And most, some cases it works, not with a disability. Now all of a sudden you wake up in a hospital bed, you're disabled, your, your life got turned upside down. You would know from experience, right? Your life got turned upside down. Now you're, now there's a thousand different things going, okay? How do I, my house now, not accessible. Where do I go for adaptations? Where do I, what do I do for this? What about rehab, physical therapy, all this stuff? You got things going on. But if we were proactive in doing this and, and becoming accessible and creating a more inclusive world and building houses more, you know, accessible and user-friendly for everybody where they can, you know, it's a, it's a lived-in house forever if they want to be, build it from the ground up right, then you don't have that problem. Then when, when somebody gets in an accident or something happens, you can focus on you and focus on getting better, whether it's rehabbing or, you know, because some people, it's a short-term disability. They get up, they go again. But, you know, or, but some people aren't so lucky. Now they're paralyzed forever, or this or that. But it's now they're, if we start to think of it proactively, the world is now, a little bit better. So if I circle you back to hospitality a little bit, um, mm -hmm. 
because I think that resonates. We've had a lot of people who own restaurants, who work in restaurants that listen to this podcast. What do you think, what do you think somebody who's in hospitality could do right now? You know, like, like, like anybody, what could they start doing to start moving towards a more inclusive environment for persons with disabilities and like create that space? Yeah. Like what, what would you suggest? Like, like just walking through the door, right? <laughs> what can people start to do today to make a difference? I talk about it all the time. So there, there might be people on here that are designing a restaurant or building a restaurant currently, you know, at that level, at that level, at that very beginning stage, hire an actual disability consultant to help you. Cause what that's going to do is that's going to bring a different lens. So, and I'm not talking about a, a guy because let's be real, there's disability consultants out there and they're not disabled. They don't have that lived experience. They go check, 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 yeah, looks good. That's not cool. You need to hire a person like me or hire a person that has experience that you can lean on. Hey, what do you think of this? Hey, I'm thinking about doing this to my doorway. Excuse me, can you come walk through it? Can you come, you know, is this gonna work for you? You know, and, and not, you can't think about just people neutral. Because that's narrow-minded thinking. Think your seniors. Think your deaf and your blind community. Okay, what can I do to add things? If you're if you got a current restaurant now, look around you. Are your buttons do they work? Do you have them? For one, because not a lot of people. There, there's also a stat out there that thirty, I believe it's thirty-eight percent of hospitality does not have accessible buttons to get into the door. That is priority number one. Also, code. There's nothing we can do about code. It, it updates. It. I'm trying to change it. That will take some time. Um, but the other thing that code says is barrier-free. Now, if you look up the definition of barrier-free, it's removing all physical barriers of entry. Okay? So that is the bare minimum. We need to start thinking above that. So let me ask you, and I'll tell you this too, is I walk into a bar. He's got an accessible bathroom. Because I've seen a lot of that lately. That's good. They're new, now compliant with the new code. But they don't have a button to get in the door. So it's barrier-free. It's a barrier-free bathroom. But the biggest barrier is the door. And, yeah. and you gotta look at you got to look at how heavy is it? Can someone push it open? There, there's different adaptations to do that. Um, you know, so those things. I talk about, I talk about table heights. So making sure you have a good variety of table heights. Yeah, you know, someone who's got a big, maybe a bigger chair, they stand a little bit taller, have that, long, have that higher table. Someone who can still come in and, and sit on a, on a chair. Maybe they want that view of, of wherever your restaurant is outside. They want to be able to see outside. But a person like me that can't transfer very well, or maybe a blind person or a person with a service dog or whatever, it's easier for them to, you pull out a chair, there's the table, lower table, and, and it's it's there and you can it's it's convenient and it's convenient for everybody. Again, seniors can sit there, regular people, and I use that in quotations, can sit there, right? Like you're you're not you're not taking anything away and you're not really adding, you're just becoming more aware. Um it's it's other simple things like it costs a little bit of money to do some of this stuff, but think of it as an investment into you and your business, you know, and not just Oh, I got to do this for the disability community. Oh my God, this. Like, no, think of this as a long-term benefit for you. And it all pays for itself in the long run if you do it right 
the first time. Now, retrofitting costs a little bit more because it wasn't designed that way. So you do have to do a, a little bit of juggling that way. But simple things like, you know, having closed caption on TVs for someone that's hearing care that wants to watch the game or wants to watch whatever. They come in, maybe they come in for lunch and they're like, you know what? I love the food, but I just want to sit in peace and watch something on TV because I've had a rough morning. Or I've had a rough day and they just want to come in for a five o'clock beer and watch the game or whatever it looks like. Close caption on TV, that costs you zero dollars. That's a quick function on your remote. Click, boom, done. Um, I thought that one was so interesting when you brought that up to the team because I never really considered it, right? Anytime, you know, an Oilers game is on or whatever, we put the sound on, it gets loud in these bars, whatever. And people like that vibe, but it is not for everybody and not everybody, you know, can can a handle the noise or you know may be hard of hearing and not even know what's going on but the closed captioning would bring them into the group with everybody else and make it so inclusive which i just thought i was like oh that's like a no-brainer right you talked about someone who can't handle the noise having having a space it doesn't need to be big but having a space maybe where it's you know someone who's autistic that can't handle noise they can go in there they can they can eat with their family or whatever. Maybe they maybe they're a huge Oilers fan. Maybe they want to watch again. Close caption on, no noise in that room or in that space, and they can still enjoy that. They're not with a large group, but they can still have that feeling of I belong. That feeling of oh, this bar or this establishment or whatever thought of me when doing this, and I love that. That's awesome. Uh, another. We talked about this one too, but this one resonates, right? Because then I've talked about my husband a lot on this podcast. So I don't need to talk about him today, but if people listening know. And so the noise is a huge thing for him. And so we actually don't go out as much as we used to because a lot of times the background noise will ruin the experience of the evening for him. And he'll just kind of like shut down, right? Because he can't handle it. So it, you know, and we talked about this a little bit together before we did this, but he almost falls into that invisible. Like people don't know. And so they, so when I say, you know, can we sit somewhere quiet? They roll their eyes at me. <laughs> They're like, oh, what's this lady? She's got all these requests or whatever, right? So even I get that. And yeah. So anyway, go ahead, Brad. You had another one. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, other simple things like menus. I mean, having, um, we're, we're trying to design to make it easier for other people, but we're trying to design a, a split menu where it's half of it is Braille and they mm-hmm. can, you know, go through and someone who's blind, they can, they can read the menu or, or having a, you know, someone who's nonverbal, having an iPad there and they can communicate with you. Cause here's the thing I hate. And, and your husband might be the same way for all my life, whether it was my parents or my wife, the last thing I want is to go into a restaurant and somebody ask my wife or my family or my friends what I want to eat or drink. That is my call. The the simple things I can always tell people listening to this podcast is if you don't know, if if you're not sure, like if you're first day on the job or whatever, you're not sure. I understand the hustle and the bustle of hospitality. I get it. But if you're not sure, simply ask. Just asking questions. You're not going to offend me. Ask questions on how I can make your experience better. You see me roll in or you, you see someone with a cane roll in or a guide dog or whatever it may be, or, or maybe you see from a distance that, that someone who's autistic is, that other person's already communicating for them. Look, observe, 
It only takes you a couple seconds and then ask questions. If you're not sure, ask. Guess what? I love that. When people ask me questions, I'll tell you, hey, I need this. Cool. Okay. How can I, how can I make you more comfortable? And guess what? Those people that ask and those people that go above and beyond, I go back. Yeah, for sure. Oh, the, people for sure. That, the people that don't and the people that I can't get in the front door because their buttons don't work or, or I got to go through some side door or through the kitchen or whatever, I typically don't go back. And when I do go back is to try and entice them with staff training to make them better so I can go back or my, my community can go back and have a better experience. Yeah. Because really what they don't know, they don't know. So we no. got to make people aware. Yeah. And we can't expect people to know, right? It, that's actually an unfair expectation. So just be, I always say, so I, I train a lot of leaders and I always say the most important thing you can do as a leader is be curious. Just be curious about everything and you will always be okay. It's when we start to think we know all the answers and we're like set in our ways that things just don't go well for us. They don't go well for the people that we're leading. And this ties exactly into what you're talking about in these experiences and hospitality too, right? Here's the thing about hospitality, Brad. I love it. I've been in it for a really long time. I think it's such a beautiful experience. We have the opportunity to be a part of people's most incredible moments and even some of their hardest, right? I mean, like I've served, you know, weddings to funerals to you name it, right? I've kind of done it all. And every single one of those interactions has been an opportunity. There's been an opportunity to make that person's days better, to listen, to offer an ear, to create an experience, whatever it is. And if we're paying attention, it can be so meaningful, right? And so, you know, these these experiences that you've had that have that have like obviously not been the best, um, but have lit this fire under you. Um, I think you're bringing attention to even just the root of what hospitality is and how we as an organization and like an industry for even for, for us for Joseph saying we need to get back to the roots of what it really means to take care of people. And that starts with being curious. It's all about caring and showing up, right? A hundred percent. And that's, that's why I'm here to try and bridge that gap and try and yeah. lend a hand and, and try and help people understand that, hey, we are a part of your community. Disabled people exist. We are here. We're not aliens. We're a large part of your community. Now let's work together to become a, you know, a better together. It's, I live by saying it's not about me. It's about we. And we need yeah. we need to do that people first and let's come together and, and make make change totally i would say from me to we <laughs> when we can make that shift oh man life just gets so much better it's funny the more we talk the more i'm like oh yeah we're just super we were meant to meet each other um there's a sign behind me i don't know if you can see it it says people make the world beautiful it's been a thing in joe's for almost 10 years now and so it started out that we were sharing these stories in our leadership team meetings, and then they started getting shared in the stores with our teams, and then eventually they went on to social media, and they were sharing these stories everywhere. Anyway, so if you go on Facebook and you search hashtag people make the world beautiful, you'll come up with hundreds of stories in hospitality, not just ours anymore either, like I've seen them tagged in VPs and all sorts of places now, which is awesome. Right. Um, but this, this idea of people make the world beautiful, I think it's just such a nice way to wrap up this podcast so I would like to offer you the opportunity Brad if there is any way any story or any experience you've had maybe in hospitality 
where you might might have seen the beauty of it. Has has there been an experience like that for you that you would like to share today with the listeners? No. I always think it's a good reminder for them, right? That it exists. Yeah, there there's uh, there's been a few. Uh, there there's there's definitely been a couple. Um, but one that really sticks out to me because I was so surprised is there's a there's a brand new sandwich shop on on Jasper Ave. It just opened uh, a couple months ago, and it's it's a hole in the wall. Like you you walk in, it it almost looks like a, uh, it's it's got a, a British sign on it, but it almost looks like a, a subway storefront. You walk in and you order a sandwich. But I I was heading to the to Monster Jam, so this would have been in August for my brother's birthday, and we all wanted to eat first before catching the LRT. And so we go into the sandwich shop, and again, small shop. Not a big shop. Like you walk in there, it could probably fit 14 people comfortably. And I walk in the, the door. There's a button on the door. It works. Door swings open. To my left, there's a makeshift elevator. Because there's there's three stairs to get up to the, you got to order your sandwich. But to my left, as soon as you walk in on the concourse, there's a, there's a lift. For me to get up, it's not a big, you know, it's nothing, nothing crazy. Probably, I'm probably costing a couple grand still, but uh, nothing, you know, not a big giant elevator, just a lift. I pull right in, I, I hit the button, it goes right up to the main level, and I was able to order my sandwich by myself, no assistance, and and I was I was literally floored. I go. You got all these big corporations and all these big things trying to cut costs and accessibility is too much and this and that, whatever. And here you got this locally owned hole in the wall, really hole in the wall. And I mean that respectfully, hole in the wall sandwich shop that has went out of their way to create an experience for everybody. They got a family bathroom that's, that's built in it. So I can go in and use the bathroom. And, and it was, I had to give them kudos. I was like, wow. And, and the cool thing about all this, Allie, is that day, my entire family was with me. So when we got to experience that, we, we, my dad made me take photos because we're like, this is incredible. Like, good people do exist. I'm not saying all, all, all hospitality is bad, but that was a really cool moment. And, and and it really shifted as, wait a minute, this is a small guy, probably doesn't have a ton of money, but he made what he can work as, you know, as inclusive as he can. Yeah. What's the excuse of everybody else? Yeah. Right? What, what's the what's the excuse? And then and you can bring money into it. You can there's government grants for you to get that and do that. Like people just don't they they always want it to be someone else's problem. They don't want to tackle the, the issue at hand. But I, I come back to the, the story at the top is if you were more inclusive, just a little bit, more money comes to your door and it comes to your door every single day. And we all know with COVID, tough times. I'd love to support some people, but I can't get into their restaurants. So I go and support the you know, the, maybe the bigger chains, because they, I know they are accessible. I don't want to, but I, I, they're easier for me to get into. So everybody came together and said, look, this is something we can do. Maybe it's small, 
Maybe it's big down the road, but we need to, we need to work together. And, and I, I come back to it again, the first step, especially when you're designing and building a new restaurant, because there's a lot, there's a lot going up right now, um, hiring a disability consultant. And again, it doesn't need to be a ton of money. Hiring a disability consultant just for, you know, I'm, I'm going to use an example for a 4,000 square foot building. I charge somebody a thousand bucks. I'll go to your blueprints. I'll do walkthroughs. I'll work with you. That's, you know, it's not a small job on my end, but I won't charge you a ton of money. And let's work together and make sure that we can, you know, for two years, we saw COVID divide us. It was one way or another. There was no in between. So now I, I created a business to try and big, bring the world together and bring the community together. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I love it. I love it, Brad. Um, as we start to wrap this up, I don't want to keep you for too long today. <laughs> I'll keep asking you questions forever, but I won't do that. So you can go have dinner at some point. Um, uh, as, yeah, as we start to wrap it up, this has been like super enlightening. I think people who haven't met you um, and heard this story are going to listen and be like, oh my God, like you have a total different perspective on things. And I think that that was really what I was hoping, right? To bring you on was to shine some light on uh, your perspective, your experiences, because um, you were like, you were just a minute ago, you were saying, well, like, what's, what's the reason? Well, the reason for me was that I didn't know. And so once I got to meet you and start talking to you now, now I know, now I can start thinking about things and, and change doesn't happen overnight. And I get that. Um, and I know you get that too, but I think that I think as soon as we start to shift our thinking processes, the world naturally changes and that's how we evolve as human beings. And so I think what you're doing is really powerful. Um, and I think you're going to, I think you're going to change the world. So I'm yeah. honored to know you. <laughs> and so as we start to wrap this up, are there some final thoughts that you would like to leave uh, with the listeners today? It only, it only starts with one, right? It, it starts with one and it's a snowball. You know, we, I've, I personally just our business and we've been around for 11 months. We've worked in with, you know, 20 to 30 bars and restaurants. Um, you know, now we're, we're brushing into hospitality or um, into municipalities. They're starting to get the, you know, the word out. I'm working with the Elks and the Oilers and stuff now. So, I mean, this is important. I think the time is now to, to let, let's, let's make some change. And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing all these other groups make change and that's great. But but now it's it's time for our change and 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 the time is now. So um, you know anybody listening or you know Ali, I know I know we've done some work before, but uh, I'd be happy to 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 have a conversation and and just just talk about things and help you guys bridge that gap because it's not me trying to attack hospitality and here are my problems now go fix it. It's here are some problems that we face. Here are some solutions. Now let's go work together and, and, and change that. And, and at the end of the day, it's, we're all going to benefit. We're all going to win. And I always try and find a win-win situation in everything. And, and this is one of those prime win-win situations because if you become more accessible, more inclusive, just a little bit, that's more money for you, right? You become a, maybe, maybe you, you add an award in, in, the, in the best bar none category because you know, we've worked with AGLC and that's coming. Uh, so just a spoiler to, to your listeners, we've talked to ADLC and, and we are, we are going to be bringing different categories of awards to the table. And if somebody goes above and beyond and creates something more accessible or designs something and, and becomes more innovative, it's not, again, it's not just that bare minimum code because anybody can do bare minimum. 
it's time we go above and beyond and think about others. When we're designing, when we're really just about anything, think about others first, and it's all going to come back to you tenfold. So. And as you said, we never know when our lives will change. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Brad, if people are listening and they want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Yeah, so you can you can always email me at disability.abd at gmail.com. Um, disability uh, Accessible by Design on Facebook, Disability ABD on Instagram. Um, not on I, I'm on Twitter personally, broadcasting Brad, uh, Brad Barco on Facebook, uh, Brad Inspires on Instagram. So any anytime, reach out to me um, or on the on the disability page as one of our teammates. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to you and uh, I, I'm let's go change the world together. I'm excited. Beautiful. I love it. And, and, and just follow Brad, you know, like I've been following him for a while and kind of watching his posts and he's always, he's always talking and just keeping us aware of what's going on. So Brad, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to have you here and uh, honored to know you and to have met you. So thank you for spending an hour with me today. I'm very grateful. You bet. Thank you. I'm uh, so blessed to be here. I'm excited. Thanks, Brad. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Another week of discovering hospitality and one more amazing guest on to share their beautiful stories. Thank you so much to all of you, our listeners, for your continued support. The success of this podcast is totally because of all of you, and to that I owe my deepest gratitude. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And as always, don't forget to rate, leave a review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love hearing your feedback. And remember, the world is always made more beautiful by people like you. Don't ever forget it. Until next week, take care, everyone, and we'll see you then.